Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sena, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is going to be an episode on ownership mindsets in group practices and possibly adjusting yours. I'm going to dig into a lot of that on today's show be a slightly different wrinkle than what you've heard recently, and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So brew another cup of that wonderful Mila coffee and get your pad and pen ready. You know it'll be a note-taking episode. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Well, welcome everybody once again to, to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. Hopefully you know me by now, and I appreciate you joining me on the show today. I am going to talk a bit about ownership mindsets, specifically ownership around equity in a group practice concept and how you might want to adjust the way you think about it. We are blessed, I'll say, to work with a lot of uh, motivated, driven entrepreneurs who are aspirational. Uh, we all want to build bigger, more valuable businesses. That's the same for us here at Polaris. Uh, and candidly, it was really the same even when I go back to the days at Patterson Dental Supply. Uh, and I have some of that context that a lot of you don't. I mean, you haven't had the uh, I guess opportunity. I was going to say good fortune, but I'll just say you haven't had the opportunity to work for a, a Fortune 500 type of a company before. And, and that's both good and bad in a lot of ways. But the reason I reference that is because the ultimate um, you know, indicator for success in a Fortune 500 type setting is the stock price of the company. Uh, it's a measure of the performance of the business uh, from a growth and profitability standpoint. And it's also a measure for the belief of the public, in this case, on the validity of the current strategy and the future cash flows of it. Uh, put another way, when you and I buy stock in a company, we buy stock because we believe that the company will be more valuable into the future than it is today. So we think that there's upside to it. Uh, and hopefully, if we believe in the management and leadership of the company and whatever their their value proposition is, that they'll be able to replicate past successes and create a lot more of them into the future. So when you and I buy shares of any company, it is a vote, if you will, in our belief that that company is going to be better tomorrow uh, and worth more tomorrow than it is today. That same principle drives you and me and all of our colleagues to build more valuable businesses, to execute our growth strategy, to uh, replicate successes uh, in a greater, grander type of a way. And ultimately, if we do that, uh, we believe that it will result 
in a more valuable business. Um, and that value of the business is really the mindset that I want to talk about today. Because I, I think you've heard me reference uh, some recent um, circumstances, I guess, or fun, I don't want to call it phenomenon, but we started to see um, some more challenges around uh, associate recruiting and to some degree, some associate turnover in the marketplace. And, and I think those of us who are building businesses that are growth businesses, um, uh, be they revenue or locations or a combination of both, are, are missing the boat a little bit on some of the opportunity to bring the associates into the ownership structure of the business. And you know, I think even though we we don't uh, approach it this way, I think too many of us are thinking that the equity of the business and the value of the equity of the business that we're creating um, is something for another day. Like it only matters when you really want to sell the business. And I think that's the wrong mindset to take. Um, absolutely. Especially as it relates to associates. Um, I, I also think that you're you're approaching the the value of the business that you have in too short-sighted a way whereby you're not thinking of the equity as a catalyst for growth. You're thinking about it only as a reward for growth. And again, this is a little bit of a shift in mindset. Fortune 500 or publicly traded companies, uh, quit saying Fortune 500, but publicly traded companies don't approach equity that way at all. They have uh, shares of the treasury that they allocate to their high-performing uh, individuals, be it management, leadership, high-performing salespeople, all, all the way down the line, key individuals that really move the needle in the business, the high performers. And they know that if they are able to create some type of a benefit structure, an incentive structure uh, for those uh, shares of, of the company to be awarded for performance, that they can drive more of that performance and they can retain their most valued employees um, for, for a lot longer. Uh, it makes it more of a challenge for somebody to leave the business when they have to, to walk away from the value of those shares. And I'll give you a specific example. Some of you have heard me talk about this. I haven't talked about this recently, but um, I know I've talked about it before sometime on the, the show. I've got in our neighborhood, there are a bunch of other families um, that, that live on our cul-de-sac, obviously. And I've got a couple of my neighbors who work for some of the larger banks here in Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte's home headquarters to a, a lot of um, very large companies and uh, several of the name brand banks that we all know and love, as I like to say. Uh, and a couple of them have been long-standing employees with those banks, and they have leadership responsibilities and management uh, divisional head type responsibilities. Um, and, and they Banking has gone through a lot in the last handful of years, and the Charlotte economy is is testament to that. And inevitably, I'll be in a conversation with some of them about what's transpired recently in the bank or an earnings report or a management shakeup or something like that. You know, and they they all seem disillusioned with where they are and what they're doing. And I candidly ask them, well, why don't why don't you leave? You know, and the common refrain is, I don't know if it's any better uh, in another bank. And I've got too much wrapped up in stock options to walk away from them right now. And that type of a mindset 
uh, of the employee that the knowing what they have in terms of an equity stake in the business it dissuades them from leaving the business because they don't want to walk away uh, from those unvested shares or whatever the context is around that earned equity or equity awards. All right. So this is important from a retention standpoint of retaining your your high performing employees and the equity they have in the business whether it's realized or not and and i think that's a key piece we always talk about attracting associates but this is almost more of uh tilts on the retaining of associates piece and i think that's that's critically important and and i think again you're only going to realize that retention mechanism if you adjust some of your mindset around the value of the equity that you're creating and how to use it appropriately early on. I'd never want to create a scenario where you take the risk to start the business, personally guarantee all the loans. It's your secret sauce that gets the business off the ground and gets it to an early point of scale. And, and it's really a business that's based off of your genius. I'm respectful of all of that. But at the same time, if you're operating from a mindset that would be what I would call a um, a historical dental uh, approach or a historical dentistry approach, whereas a, a lot of your predecessors thought about ownership of their practice only at a point of transitioning the business near retirement. That is a mindset of selling part of the business or selling all of the business when, when you have a finite time remaining, and it's really on short order. That type of thinking gets you into a lot of trouble in a group practice context. And it also undercuts one of the most valuable pieces that you can have in terms of attracting and retaining high performers. And that is the ownership in the business. I, I just recorded a podcast episode with uh, Dr. Vince Monticello. You'll have probably uh, heard it by now uh, as this episode will, will air afterwards. But Vince talked about um, his his two daughters going to dental school and his belief that in dentistry uh, you can still be an owner in a business and kind of be entrepreneurial and control your own destiny and that counts for people who own businesses outright like he does but it certainly counts for your associates who want to be a partner and want to be part of something bigger than just themselves without having to be responsible for all of it and the way to do that is through some type of uh, an ownership structure and an equity award. So when we think about those things, I want you to start thinking about them earlier on in your growth journey. I don't want you to, to think like, I have to build a business that values uh, incredibly highly, and then I'll cut people in on the equity through either a buy-in or an earn-in structure. That creates a lot of chaos early on and I think it short circuits some of your ability to create stability in the organization through an equity arrangement. So what is, you know, we start talking about equity structures uh, and ownership in the business. If you're operating in that historical mindset uh, where you're going to sell, I don't know, half the business, let's just say, 
um, then yeah, you want to make sure that it values the most highly because you're probably dependent upon the cash for for some other purposes. Um, so it stands to reason that if you're going to go through uh, selling a significant stake of the business, you do want it to be valued most highly. On the other hand, if you're building a group and you see equity as, as a vehicle to creating stability and you want to use equity as currency, then the sale of any equity is probably more nominal in value not 50% of the practice or God forbid, 50% of the company. We're talking about a, a much smaller piece of arguably a larger pie, but enough to give somebody the, the sense of, hey, I'm a partner. I get to, to change the name on the business card from associate to partner um, or part owner. Uh, and this is a, a key mindset shift of your associates and it gets them skin in the game and it gives them a point of uh, a feeling of stability. That's good for you ultimately. Beyond that, you allow them to earn into the business. And whether it's a restricted stock unit or a profits interest unit type of a methodology, that is one where you are certainly um, giving them a target to hit, hopefully motivating them to drive to that target. And as they drive to that target and ultimately exceed the goal, then they're creating more profitability in the business and more more value of the company. And that is a great scenario because they are vested or and are vesting in their ownership and, and what they've earned in the business, but they're helping you create a more valuable business more quickly than you otherwise would. And that's really the key. The nice thing about these earned equity models is that they create outcomes that are certainly beneficial to the associate and really beneficial to you as long as you don't forget how to operate the business and run a, a business that's a less profitability, which I I know that's not why any of you are listening to this show. So I'm going to err on the side that that's not what's happening here. So I think this is an important concept because I don't want I want you to create more valuable companies for sure, but I want you to do it through a point of stability, not creating a rat race for yourself. And the the equity component that so many of the publicly traded companies like the one I used to work for, the ones that DeWalker has worked for and and my neighbors here in Charlotte and so many others, the the rationale around which they use equity is the exact same for you. And when it's in an appreciating value context, then it's good for the associate and it's good for you as the primary owner of the company. And we don't want to wait too long before we put that in place. I think it can be immensely beneficial. Hey, it's Perrin. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to learn more in depth about partnerships and associates, be sure to download our white paper called Creating Sustainable Success in Attracting and Retaining Associates. And if you want to learn more granular detail about buy-in and earn-in structures, as well as the legal aspects required to facilitate all of it, you should join us in Scottsdale on October 11th through 13th for our Scaling from Clinician to CEO Summit, because there'll be three different presentations dealing with all of that. And you'll have access to some incredibly bright minds over those three days. I'll drop a link in the show note for both the white paper and the registration for the conference to make it easy on you. Now, 
back to the show. So the other thing we want to create from an associate context, and this is a little bit of a um, a range, if you will. I, I know many of you like numbers and KPIs and metrics and stuff, so I'm going to give you something here. Um, when you talk about uh, an equity opportunity, um, and this is more, this is almost thinking of it like in the context that people would think about a bonus, all right? This is not the same thing, but when you think about uh, creating an equity opportunity for somebody, you really want to target an outcome. And the the target of the outcome over some period of time is usually three to four times that person's average annual wages. All right, let me say that one more time. When you create an equity outcome for someone, you really want that outcome to, to yield to be about three to four times their average annual W-2 wages. All right, so let me let me break that down uh, and see if I can put some numbers to context for this. So let's say we have a general dentistry associate who is paid 30% of his or her collections and they collect $800,000 a year. That would be maybe above average in terms of associate collections. I know it's dependent upon the business and it varies a whole lot, but I would say $800,000 is, is a pretty good collection level for you know a, a slightly above average associate, okay? Um, so if we're paying, if, if they collect $800,000 and we're paying them 30% of his or her collections, then their uh, doctor compensation on an annual basis is about $240,000, right? So three to four times that number on an equity outcome over uh, an extended period, usually around 10 years, uh, is going to be somewhere around that 700 to $1 million mark, 750, 800,000 to a million dollars. That is a sizable outcome. And it's a sizable outcome for a couple of reasons. One, it is an order of magnitude, several, more than what they earn on an annual basis. Put another way, it moves the needle, right? And this is one that, that will get your attention, especially if some of that outcome is still unvested. So there's the walkaway point, right? I don't want to I don't want to leave the current bank I work for because I'm not sure that it's really going to be better anywhere else I go and I'm walking away from a lot if I do. That's the mindset of my neighbors that I referenced earlier and it's the same mindset that would take hold for your high performing associates. All right? So somebody walking away from a, a total of a million dollars where you know, probably 60% of it or slightly more uh, is vested and the um, amount that's unvested is, is a significant portion of it. Now, it is a massive disincentive for them to uproot and leave. Okay, so that's that's the, the golden handcuffs. That's what we want to create um, in, in terms of the, the value proposition for them to stay with us. The total of 800 grand to a million dollars is a sizable outcome in terms of what they have earned in the business 
And it's going to be doggone difficult for them to recreate a number like that in terms of valuation of, of their own practice if they take the risk to do it. It's going to take them a while to start over and create that type of an outcome. And or it would create it would take a long time for them to create that type of an outcome uh, if uh, if they were trying to simply recreate it through average annual earnings. Okay, so this is when we talk about the outcome and we tend to throw around high six and low seven figure numbers as just a fait accompli, like it's a lot easy. To, it's easy to do. It's not. All right. And, and I think that is the compelling piece for you. If you can start them on that journey early enough, you really get them bought in and you make it darn difficult for them to leave. This is a totally different mindset than the historical dentistry mindset of selling part of my business late in my career prior to um, uh, transitioning out, uh, retiring, right? And, and, and I fear that that type of historical mindset is taking hold with too many people too early in the growth journey to feel like, well, I can't, I can't allow anybody to earn in or buy in until the business is worth X. Yeah, there are certain... I would say thresholds or levels that we don't want to violate. We don't want to make it too easy on them to earn too many shares of an underperforming business. All that is true. But on an earned equity model, this is definitely something that takes a little while to bake. And if the if the business continues to grow, and certainly if the associate or associates uh, are high performers, they create the lift in the business alongside of you. And that is a point of stability that I think is critical. So I opened, I, I think I titled this episode, uh, Changing Mindsets, you know, um, for today's current um, group practice owners. And that's really the, the train of thought that I wanted to get across to you, because I think this is so important to creating stability and longevity. And ultimately, if you have a lot of associates who are exceeding their goals and are earning equity, that's not a negative. That's a positive because you should be able, you should be creating a more valuable business at an even faster rate. And, and that is what we're trying to achieve. This is a long, longer term outcome. Usually about 10 years is how we model them out. And it is something that you should start earlier on versus waiting too long and, and creating some level of, of chaos uh, and associate turnover along the way. We want to preclude that. And equity is really one of the most valuable currencies you have in your business if you use it the right way. So I hope this has been um, I hope this gives you some some things to think about as it relates to equity in your company and to think about differently, arguably at an earlier stage of the development of the business, because that that's the key thing to, to creating some levels of stability. Um, hopefully that gives you something to think about and think about a little bit differently. And if you've got questions around some of this, please do send me an email or feel free to book a, a 30 to 45 minute meeting off of our website. Be happy to dig into um, some of the scenarios that you're finding in your business and where you are in your stage of overall development. Stick around for some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show.
thanks everybody once again for joining me on the show today. This was uh, uh, a little bit of a different episode, um, but based on some what I might call current events with current clients. And I, I, I thought that if I was seeing it in a few of them, that chances are they were probably uh, a bit more of you out there experiencing some of uh, some of the same. I'm going to wrap up today's uh, show with a with a couple of thoughts. Uh, one around our upcoming Scaling from Clinician to CEO conference. Signups or uh, registrations are pouring in on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We got tremendous uh, ratings uh, on our net promoter scores last year for the conference, um, which is, you know, would you would you recommend this conference to a, a colleague or friend? And we were north of nine times on that, which is, uh, which is phenomenal. And I think this will be every bit as good this year um, as it was last year. We're not going to change up too terribly much of the content, if any at all, because it landed so well. Uh, and I think it's still all uh, readily applicable. So if you want to learn more uh, about associate equity models, legal structures that support them, challenges in partnerships, all that kind of good stuff, make a point to join us uh, in Scottsdale, October 11th through 13th, if you weren't with us last year in, uh, in Denver. Uh, and there'll be a lot more to that. Or obviously, you can book a call with me, like I mentioned earlier. Um, it's going to be a, a fun conference with Dr. Mark Costas and his crew from the Dental Success Institute. Uh, and I think the um, uh, the event will be uh, every bit as good, if not even a little bit better than last year, too. Last concluding thought before I wrap up today's show is a uh, uh, is a little bit of another book report. And I don't know that I would call this truly a book report, um, but a, a friend of mine, a, a lifelong friend of mine, and um, uh, one of my uh, college fraternity brothers, um, we trade book recommendations from time to time. Uh, and he put one on my radar, and I didn't really know what it was. We talk about business reading a lot and some historical fiction and some things like that that are just a, a little bit of departures, if you will. And he turned me on to a guy named David White. Uh, and White is W H Y T E. Uh, David White is an Irish poet, uh, and um, he he writes poetry and prose, uh, and has written a number uh, of different books of poetry. I'm not a big, I, I'm not a big poetry. I, I'm not a poetry reader. I'll just come out and say it. I, um, I guess I've never tried, but uh, it's just not in my, um, it's not in in my target zone. Let's put it that way. He David White wrote a book called Consolations, Consolations. And its um, subtitle is The Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. Uh, and this is a book that is really fascinating, thought-provoking, and compelling to read. Um, he takes probably, I don't remember how many, but about 50 different words uh, that we use every day in life and common vernacular and everything like that, and, and writes a passage about each one of them. And the way he writes about it, is, you can see, you can read in it that he is a poet at heart um, because his prose reads a lot like poetry. The way he breaks down the words is just a, a, a radical departure from anything I've ever read before. And it, it makes you think about the meaning behind common everyday words and the way he recognizes some of the nuance and subtlety around. It. Um, this is a book that when I started reading it, um, I would read maybe a, a, a passage every day or every other day. 
with a cup of coffee and just spend, you know, five to 10 minutes thinking about it. Um, and, and it was a nice release for me from all the thick of business and being an entrepreneur and the pressures of life and, you know, everything that you and I find ourselves in the midst of on a daily, hourly basis, that's sometimes you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Uh, and a lot of that is self-imposed, but we all do it to ourselves. You do it. I do it. And, and, you know, probably everybody in this audience, we're kind of wired similarly in that context. Consolations is a book that allowed me a couple of minutes of an escape each day. Uh, and I felt like that was really good for my mindset. And it was something that was good to just kind of bring me back and in, in away from uh, the treadmill, the pressure cooker, the, you know, the angst of everyday life. And I, I just, I found it being a kind of a, a, a cathartic departure for lack of a better term. And I really did enjoy it. I think he is writing a, a second version of Constellations or so I've heard right now. Um, and I will surely pick that up when it comes out. But this is a book that I would recommend in a completely different way to so many of you. Um, and again, it's called Consolations, the Solace, Nour Solace, Nourishment, and Underlying Meaning of Everyday Words. And the author's name is David White, W-H-Y-T-E. Um, I encourage you to pick up a copy of it uh, and don't try to read it all in one sitting. Read each passage. It's only a couple of pages long. Um, and when you read the passage, read the, the passage for the word that it describes, and then maybe go back and reread it a second time and think about some of the way he parses things, breaks things down, and and connects things. It's it's really um, uh, a nice uh, way to, to get out of our own head at times. So hopefully uh, you enjoy that the way that I did. Um, and if you've got certainly book recommendations, I'd love to hear from you every bit as much as I hear from some of my friends. So take a second, drop me an email, um, shoot me a text or social media or what have you, uh, and let me know something that you've enjoyed. Never know, maybe I'll pick up a, a copy of it, give you a plug on the show and um, recommend the book myself. So thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. Appreciate you and all of your support uh, for our, our show, our company and everything that we do. We love having you in the audience and we'll see you on the next episode.